0: It's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio.
1: Hello and welcome. Key is Gary McNamara. I'm Eric Harley. As we move into a
2: Wednesday... Weirdo Wednesday. Gary, how are you? I've come up with a new term. Oh, by the way, good. All right. Slob elitism. Yeah. Slob elitism. That's that's oh. the new term. Thank you, Democrats. Yeah. Really appreciate it. Slob elitism.
1: By the way, somebody on what? Fox News, one of the law it was the GOP lawmaker that was saying uh, hey, the uh the Biden administration is weaponizing the irs against hunter biden <laughs> if you look into the claims of hunter biden's lawyers and i'm like dude thanks for listening to red eye radio <laughs> yeah uh so slob chic uh slob chic i, I like came that. Up, yeah, yeah. I came up with that yeah. um
2: uh, uh also j- sloppy slovenly yeah. Well, um, the, well, the reason I say elitism is because mm-hmm. this is, because you you think about it and it, uh, you know, slob and elitism normally wouldn't fit together, right? But now they do. But it does here because yeah. it's like okay, dress like slobs, mm-hmm. but only we can dress like slobs, right? And that's what makes that unique. We make it look cool.
1: <laughs> Seriously. You you look like you just showed up for an outpatient.
2: As as uh, I forgot, what surgery. S- Senator yesterday said, "Well, then the Supreme Court justices should all come in in just you know t-shirts." Well,
1: there's no telling s- what they're wearing under the robes. Actually, I, s- you know.
2: sleeveless shirts, no robes anymore. Just do yeah. it. We should have we should have none no, of this. Okay. Yeah, look, it's or it's-
1: they could do the robes they want to use, like a Ric Flair wrestling. Robe or something, you know, something shiny with a with a feather (laughs) (laughs) ball. I mean, it's all everything is just out the window. And and during the day yesterday, it seemed like all the left media was.
0: Why are they making such a big deal about it? I don't know why
1: people are making such a big deal about it. You know, if. Trump had suggested that. Look, I think in the Senate, they shouldn't have to wear. None of the senators should have to wear what they don't want to wear. Schumer would have lost his ever-loving mind.
2: Well, and the and the thing is, too, for example, the senators don't have to, but their entire staff has to. Mm-hmm. Right. The interns have yeah. to. Yes. I mean, that's where the elitism comes in. Why is that the case? Yeah, we talked about that the other day. The the Democrats don't have any argument. Why do you guys care about it? Well, the Democrats care about it because only the elite senators and the Democratic senators that wish to dress slovenly, Uh they are the only ones that get to do it. Their staff doesn't get to do it. What type of slob elitism is that? Right.
1: I mean, if any of the female senators want to dress like Bobert, let them. <laughs> She's in the House. <laughs> I know that. I'm well aware of that for now.
2: But really, that, then what are the rules for the House? Because remember, the Senate is the... Uh, upper chamber. The upper chamber. They-
1: <laughs> I got a joke there, but we can't do it.
2: They are the... Well, not anymore. They, they are the deliberative body. They are the ones. The not House. Anymore. The House is a bunch of crazy people just running all over the place, screaming and a yelling because bulbers. because the the House
1: fondling each other in front of Beetlejuice.
2: <laughs> what has the
1: world come to? Come on,
2: fondling each other in front of Beetlejuice. I just love you that. can't do that. <laughs> The House is a bunch of children. We are the upper uh leg- we are the upper legislature. And by the way,
1: for some reason we accepted that what that the House was a bunch of renegades. You know, if you think about it, McCain wasn't a maverick. I mean, the left wanted him, you know, to be the maverick. Did they ever say that about Jeff Flake? <laughs> He's the new Maverick. Yeah, no, he's not. Um, but if you look at the House, the House is filled with a lot of what the media, I guess, might call Mavericks. Now, it's for a different reason. They called him a Maverick because he didn't go along with his party a lot. But if you look at the behavior, it it's kind of accepted that in the House, You know, they're going to be a little wilder. They're going to be a little louder. Now, my question is, if you're setting this new standard on, actually, there's no standard. Someone wrote the other day, oh, great, we're lowering the bar. No, there is no bar anymore. Well, there's a bar, but everybody's drinking. Invite Nancy over and uh, have her dance on the table. In, uh, in second thought, uh, don't. But I mean, what about behavior? What about, you know, th- because this is where the Senate really set itself apart over the years. I, I didn't make the rule. I don't know why. I don't, you know, it was, you know, the, the House was more of the Wild West. And the Senate was, well, well I never. I mean, well, it was, you would think well, everybody in the Senate was British. <clears throat>
2: Well, No it, it it comes it comes from the fact I mean, really from the founding fathers on, the thought process was because the Congress is elected by very, very small representation from extremely small districts. so the 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 fact is the the uh, uh, you know the the, the culture, the, the the ideas, the chance for more radicals to be in the House is greater than a statewide now,
1: election. You're, you're explaining based on logic. I'm talking about in modern terms of where, what the House, you know, in the media really has become and how they portray it. So it's, you know, this this whole thing is, and, and think about, I don't know, there's uh, over the last uh, probably couple of decades at least, you know, a few senators that are louder than others at times. But the fact of the matter is, is that if you're going to do away with the standard, then are you going to do away with the standard on behavior? Why not? Why not? We're so far past scorched earth You know, because I look at this and I was kind of measuring it today. I thought, all right, in the grand scheme of things, it's not an issue in terms of what we're facing with all the other massive issues on the table right now, thanks to Joe Biden being president. But on the other hand, if you let this slide, what else will you let happen? Listen, he came in really drunk, but it's okay.
2: Look, he 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 voted. That's all we need him to do. Well, you know something. The other thing is, and uh, I I don't know if anybody's talked about this. They're treating Fetterman like he's a child. They're they're treating him like he has um, a
1: disability that he's had since birth, that he is supposed to be coddled in a way and that he is that he has. Right. Special needs to the extent I don't have a problem with him having a screen to read from, you know, based on his condition. I don't have a problem with that. Neither do I. But saying that you basically need to cut co- that, that—that this has anything to do. This is what they're what they're, what they're getting at, really. That this has something to do with his special needs, and the fact of the matter is, it doesn't. It doesn't. You know, I've seen people with severe disabilities that every time they were in public, they were dressed. And whatever he's going through physically, you know, he's either well, able to serve I, I, or or not well, serve. But right. whatever he's going through, if he needs a little more
2: assistance, then, well, you know, if if he's, great, a, if, he's, if he's a United States senator and they believe that a dress code is causing him mental problems, he should step down. He's well, a senator, for God's sakes, in the United States Senate. Yeah. If he
1: can't meet that standard, yes. with, well, if, then, then if w- he's again, at, what if, is
2: next? If he's that fragile, yeah. then he needs to be out of the Senate. Yep.
1: Because what is next? Well, he needs four days off. Now, we're okay with that part of it. <laughs> he needs four, day, four days a week off. Well, let's give him four and three-quarters of a day off.
2: Well, the thing is, why would you actually do, you know, what what is the purpose of, of of doing this? And I started thinking, you know, there is no respect from Democrats for the Senate. Mm-hmm. Democrats hate that the Senate even exists. They don't want the Senate. Mm-hmm. We've talked about this before. I mean, how many Democrats have called for the elimination of the Senate? They don't respect the institution. That's why it's very easy for Schumer to do something like this, to say, let's lower the standard of, of dress but but the but the interesting thing is you know it's for fetterman because nobody else except senators you know everybody else has to pay attention to the dress code yeah and right. so it's the fact that he is that fetterman is so fragile he is so uh mentally soft that we have to change the dress so, code so he can wear think about this a united states senator wearing a damn hoodie and gym shorts. Yeah. In Senate chambers. Right. I mean, it's just, it's the most, You, these are things that you would never think. I wouldn't go dressed like that happen. to a restaurant.
1: Neither would I. I'm not going to the grocery store like that. I might, if I'm at the beach, hop in my truck. And, well, I, in fact, have been known to go fishing dressed that way. That's about it. If I'm going somewhere, I want to pay respect to the people around me that I'm with. Now, I may not wear a suit and tie, but if I'm going to a place that I know really calls for a suit and tie, I'm going to wear it. And if this job, if they called us and said, Eric and Gary, we need you to wear a suit and tie. We know there are no cameras in the room, but we need you to wear a suit and tie every night. Then I quit. I mean, I would do it. <laughs> Sorry, y'all. I'll, all I own is black T-shirt and, and blue jeans. <laughs> but I'm not a U.S. senator. <laughs> I just, I'm just
2: laughing. It's like, <laughs> I, what I liked was... <laughs> That would almost be, okay, let's get the guys to quit. There are no cameras. Nobody's in the building. Let's tell them, not not just a three-piece suit. They have to wear a tuxedo. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, yeah. A tuxedo. Every night a tuxedo With is the mandatory. Tie, you can't loosen the tie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, And it
1: must be pressed. It must be a bow tie. Yes, exactly, yes. Must have the bow tie. Well, there are some the tuxedos cummer- that have long ties these days, so... We might have to negotiate that through our agent.
2: <laughs> I just think bow ties look stupid. <laughs> Call Paul. Paul, no. Yeah. That, Dude, that, we're that, not doing bow ties. That's our agent, our agent yeah. by the way. Yeah. Paul, no. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. No, you go back to management and tell them, yeah. we're not going to wear no a damn bow, bow tie.
1: We're not doing bow ties. And then they come back with, not only bow ties, but red bow ties.
3: <laughs> we're not, waiters! <laughs>
1: Although there wouldn't be anything wrong with being By the way, if you're a waiter wearing a a, a red bow tie, you're probably making
2: bank. A Pee Wee Herman server, a Pee Wee Herman suit with a bow tie. Yeah, exactly. And you must ride your bikes to work. We're going to have to dress like butlers. <laughs> but you think about it, and it's and and the Democrats have no argument. That argument that I heard, you know, from Democrats yesterday on social on on social media, they were pounded for it. Well, why is it such a big deal? Well, it is to Schumer. mm Hmm. Because Schumer's saying no dress code for the senators, but a dress code for everybody else. Right. So it's important to have to Schumer he drew a to, line. Have, to have you know proper decorum from everybody except Fetterman. Yep. Why? Because he must be so sensitive, we must treat him like a child because of his stroke. Well, if you have to treat him like a child because you're having discipline problems with him, then you need to tell him... You need to step down. You are not capable of being a U.S. senator. This is what the job require. It requires. You know,
1: we've I've been asking the question: How do these people dress themselves every day? Well, when it comes to Fetterman, he doesn't. He,
2: he, does. <laughs>
1: he doesn't. I got my answer. We don't have to. We'll just change the rules. Since he won't go
2: along with the rules, we'll just change them. Slob elitism. Yeah. But you think about it. Well, we talked about this many, many times before. On every major issue, every single major issue, the, the Democrats and the Democrats in the Senate are a part of it, are attempting to make your life harder to yeah. hurt the energy, economic, uh, and national security of the United States. They're trying to, to, trying to hurt it. If your job is to destroy the institution of, of the country that you represent.
1: Ah, thank you for opening that door.
2: Yes. Uh, then, well, that was my thought. Was that's about exactly
1: yesterday. where I was going with it.
2: Then, then you don't care. You don't respect the institution of the Senate if you don't respect ah. the institution of the United States of America.
1: Now, because when it comes to Chuck, you know, I mean, he's that sunset is getting pretty close for him. And... How long before we hear, well, do we really need a Senate from him? Right Now, we've heard it from other Democrats that are not senators. <laughs> I mean, this is where, but this is exactly where we are. Yeah,
2: so exactly where we are. Start
1: tearing down, basically go in and start tearing down, you know, all the standards for it and then say, okay, great. Do we really need a Senate?
2: Well, that's I mean, that that's has been purely a Democrat point yep. for the last five years, yep. especially. Right. That the Senate. So they don't respect the country. They sorry, don't respect, Adam Schiff. They don't respect the country. They don't respect the people. They don't respect the institutions. Why respect the Senate <laughs> Dress like a slob? Adam
1: Schiff goes to run for for Dianne Feinstein's seat in California. And they they start to pull the plug on the Senate. <laughs> Sorry, Schiff, you don't you don't get a job. It's it's just ridiculous. And this is exactly where the liberals are today. We don't we don't need any standards. The very basic standard of a dress code.
2: You know, we can now say safely without name calling. The Democrats are a bunch of slobs. Yep. They are. 866-90-RED-EYE. This preventative
3: maintenance tip is brought to you by Hotshot Secret, the country's number one fastest-growing oil and additive company. If you've been driving a diesel any length of time, you know diesel fuel quality can be an issue. There are U.S. standards that diesel fuel is supposed to meet, like cetane number, lubricity, a.k.a. wear protection, deposit control. But oftentimes, the fuel at the pump falls short. Let's highlight diesel fuel cetane number. In most states, the minimum a cetane number can be is 40. Through years of testing, Hotshot Secret has found the average cetane number across the nation is between 42 to 45. And most modern engines are built in tune to operate best with a cetane number closer to 50. This is why a premium additive is needed to keep cetane numbers up, to keep the engine operating at its best while helping with fuel economy and DPF regeneration cycles. Add Hotshot Secret Everyday Diesel Treatment, a 6 in 1 fuel booster at every fill up to keep cetane numbers in a premium range while also protecting your fuel system. Learn more about the science behind diesel fuel and Hotshot Secrets Everyday Diesel Treatment at hotshotsecret.com.
4: This report is brought to you by Shell Rotella. Shell Rotella, with advanced synthetic technology, is designed to help keep your rig running with more mileage and less maintenance.
0: Coming up, more with Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. It's Red Eye Radio.
1: And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just something I've noticed. There's a lot more yawning these days. Have you noticed that? Yeah. And the bad thing about yawning, it's contagious. Now, I'm not a scientist, but I do know that's true. You see somebody else yawn, all of a sudden, you got to yawn. Do you know what helps to curtail the yawning? How about a great night's rest at Motel 6? Book online at Motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. and Truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price you will love. When you use the code CPREDEye. that's the letters CP Eye, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel 6. And help curtail the yawning. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by...
2: It's on our radio. He's Eric Carlin. And I'm Gary McNamara. Republicans ruining yeah. my golf game. I had in the schedule looked and said, hmm, next Thursday, yeah. maybe I can golf. Yeah, nope. No. Nope. Impeachment no. inquiry. Yep. Let, let it, it
1: begin. <laughs> oh, just, uh, the, the. in fact, the day after the next GOP debate. Interesting. Yeah.
0: Listening to Red Eye Radio from the Uniden America studios.
2: In Red Eye Radio, he's our accordion. I'm Gary McNamara. Good morning. Download our Red Eye Radio app today and listen when and where you want. If you cannot listen live overnight, well, I've just uh, happened to uh, be reading uh, Jeffrey Blair's column in uh, National Review on the. Uh, The slob elitism of the Democrats. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because he talks about the fact that he doesn't own a suit. (laughs) He said one one of the reasons is because of the weight he gained during COVID.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I gained weight during COVID and my mom noticed it. She goes, wow, you gained a lot of weight. And I said, mom, it's COVID. And she said, how much COVID did you eat? I have... Uh, my fat suits and my skinny suits. I'm I'm prepared for anything.
2: <laughs> I actually have a tux. Yeah. Do you? Because I used to do so many. I used to do so many events when I was a local talk show host.
1: As as a butler.
2: <laughs> it was my side job. <laughs> Radio didn't pay enough. I was Jeeves. <laughs> Jeeves. <laughs> Oh no jeeves, jeeves McNamara. Oh no jeeves, uh, but I haven't worn it probably since two thousand four, two thousand five. Yeah, and I have, um, I have, uh, you know, uh, sport jackets.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, uh, I don't think I actually have a suit. Mm-hmm. I've got sports jackets and ties, but I never wear them. It's just you, you just. I, I have a lot a of them.
1: You know, if we have, uh, we we have a, a, a number of business uh, meetings that my wife and I have to attend and, and things like that. And so when it's appropriate, I'll, I'll take right. a sport jacket. And um, I have, I don't know, I don't know, uh, probably four or five different suits uh, that I could wear. The thing is, is that when we talk about this, um, it, it the question is, where is the left going with it we want to all of a sudden start changing standards again if this was uh trump complaining about it you know i mean uh here was a guy that was uh speaking of covid remember when he had covid he's walking out to get on marine one to get a get him over to the hospital um well he's always wearing a suit i mean i think except for a golf course and maybe occasionally he doesn't wear a tie, and, and it's, I think, few and far between. I mean, it's just the way he's always been, though. I mean, that's just kind of, you know, the way he he has always dressed. Oh. And, you know, we can start having the conversation about decorum, and decorum doesn't matter. And it, it matters with your behavior, and that applies to Trump, too. But the fact of the matter is, is that When you're going to change the rules, you know, I would want to have a standard. I would want to make, if I've made it all the way to the Senate, if I've been elected by my state into the United States Senate, then I want to work for the people. I want my constituents to be uh, proud of their representation I want my family to be proud of the person that I am, and I want to represent them accordingly. And, you know, that applies, I think, in a a number of ways and um, in a number of settings. But you start changing the rules. That's what I have a problem with.
2: Well, this uh, article from Jeffrey Blahar, he said, uh, uh, and he was like, you know, he's not the, his point was, he's not the biggest suit guy. Yeah. Like yeah, we are. Right, I mean, right. I might be if I was working during the day. I, mm-hmm. I, and I know I was when I used to work, when I used to work during the days mm-hmm. as a talk radio host, you had salespeople coming in and everything else. And mm-hmm. it's like, but, you know, working here, we dress a lot more casually because, mm-hmm. and, and of course, you know, occasionally I have to wear my, we're doomed t-shirt. Sure. You know, I mean, but there's a, uh, you know, there's nobody here. Uh, If we had cameras in the studio, we'd dress differently. Uh, You know, it depends, you know, what's what the situation, you know, what the situation calls for. But he says, to start, I genuinely believe that when you ask for a major position of civic trust, you owe it. Not even to your constituents, but to the institution of government you are entering to pay heed to its tradition and formal rules, Hmm. even if not always religiously. If you as a politician... Ask the people of your state for the job of representing them in the U.S. Senate. You owe it to both of them to show up looking and behaving professionally. John Fetterman is not physically prevented from dressing in a manner that befits his office. He merely doesn't want to, and he feels he should be excused because of his private misfortune. Right. Or perhaps he perceives political gain in it. Those are uh, insufficient reasons. I appreciated Maine Republican Susan Collins (laughs) talking sarcastically about whether she should wear a bikini the next time the chamber was in session. I suspect that neither she nor many other senators will be taking much advantage of the new informality, at least not yet. But even more obnoxiously, the relaxation of the code applies only to the senators not their pages, staffers, or to visitors. Mm -hmm. That is telling as to Majority Leader, as we said, that is telling as to Majority Leader Schumer's concern about maintaining some semblance of standards. He himself felt the need to stipulate in his announcement that he would continue to wear a suit, Which, uh, which is a shame, I think, We'd all prefer to see what Schumer looks like in a Hawaiian shirt, shorts, and sandals. (laughs) But it's more than a little hypocritical to say nothing of off-brand for Democrats to reserve the privilege of slothful comfort during a working day on the taxpayer's dime exclusively to those of the senatorial rank and admission that this is a change they'd like not to see extended to anyone else they themselves have to work with. Subordinates can now know their proper place with the business suit and ironic new badge of servitude within Schumer's chambers. Oh,
1: <laughs> wow! So here's the difference: those who believe in a standard apply it to themselves. They apply it to their lives. And they live it. And it doesn't matter what the rule is. I have a friend. He's since passed. He passed earlier this year. Every time he went to a restaurant with his wife. It was a suit and tie. Every time. It didn't matter the restaurant. If he went to Chick-fil-A. He wore a suit and tie. So people have their standards. And. And. Yeah, let's uh let's both hope and expect that Susan Collins not show up in a bikini. And you look at that and and by the way, Eric Harley shouldn't wear one either. Trust me, I tried. But these are the standards that people have.
2: Uh you better hmm? let people know that you weren't being serious on that one. What? Believe me, I tried wear a bikini
1: if you don't know i'm joking by now <laughs> you really want me to, to well, ex- explain Remember joke
2: remember seriously remember we're the ones that when we said when the germans bomb pearl harbor
1: mm-hmm. no i seriously tried to wear a bikini and the whole thing is <laughs> multiple times in public and the thing is is when you have that standard yourself it demonstrates the type of person you are. The person standing out here will be will be the person that decides to relax their own standard. And that will be Fetterman.
2: And then here it is, uh, uh, Rich Lowry's column yesterday. John Fetterman makes the U.S. Senate safe for disgraceful slobs. Mm-hmm. Wow. John Fetterman's Senate legacy is now set. He's the guy who made it possible to dress like a slob. Yeah. Well, here's the
1: difference. Most of them won't dress like a slob. Only Fetterman will. And he'll stand out and look like the
2: slob that he is. (laughs) Oh, my God. There's business casual, then there's Fetterman's garb. It wouldn't be acceptable at many fraternity events around the country. Philadelphia Eagles fans dress more carefully on game days. Oh, yeah, sure. I was
1: going to say, if you had a courtside seat, right, at, at an NBA yep. game. Yep.
2: If he showed up at almost any service or working class job in America dressed this way. They would send you home. His supervisor would give him a stern talking to and insist that he have more respect for himself, his colleagues, and his customers. I
1: have a, I have a friend a dear friend to this day. And we worked together in radio at one time and we had a live remote and it was on a Saturday afternoon at a huge furniture and appliance place. And we were doing this live remote, you know, you you go out there, you tell your listeners you're on the air and you do these breaks, what they call breaks at the commercial breaks and say, Hey, come on out and see me. I got free this and free that. And they have some great deals right now at this location. And he showed up, quite frankly, looking like Fetterman. And I said, well, you don't have much time. And he said, what, what do you mean? I said, well, we go on the air in 30 minutes and you need to get dressed. So you better get home and get back. And it's, you know, there were a number of things in play, but you're going to have to, you know, and, and it was about setting your own standard, by the way, you know, when I was a kid, when I was a teenager and I started this career as a teenager, I had to learn that very quickly myself, you know, and it was, all right, you can wear the t-shirt and jeans when you're on the air and there's no cameras around, but when you're going to go out and represent the station, get dressed.
2: Right. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, he says, but as it happens, he's only a United States senator, so he we can wear whatever he damn pleases. Wow. Yeah. When the history of the decline of American institutions is written, the jettisoning of the Senate dress code may not be more than a footnote, yet it will deserve mention. Well, again, it, it will
1: stand out for him because I believe he'll be the only one to relax the standard unless you have some of these other liberals that decide well, we're going to dress down too, so he doesn't stand out. Oh man, yeah. I can't wait to see that! Please, please, Elizabeth Warren, show up in a hoodie and basketball shorts. But that's how this will go. What it's, it's—it's ridiculous that we're changing a rule in the Senate for one person who doesn't require that rule change to operate as a United States senator. No, does not. It is absolutely ridiculous, but it really falls, when it comes down to it, on him. He's the one that will still stand out in the end.
2: But again, it's the the, uh, symbolism backed by the substance of no respect for American institutions that come... From the highest level of Democrats out there. But as I said before, and you were thinking the same thing, I just said it first. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And and that was the the fact that when you have a political class or a political group Mm -hmm. that's only goal, and we've talked about it on every single major issue, it is to injure and harm the United States. Mm -hmm. If that's what your goal is. Then you don't have any respect for the institutions right. in the United States, and right. that's where the Democratic Party is. Exactly, you know, right now. Look at their behavior, and then you'll notice. Okay, the symbolism is starting to to mirror their actual behavior. Right, we're slovenly slobs because we don't respect this institution at all. Right. And we wish to do damage to the United States and everything in our behavior mirrors that.
1: Right. Yeah, I mean, this is, you know, it's we've decided that standards don't matter. Rules don't matter. I mean, what will be next is and and Democrats have already said it out loud, not in the Senate, not those in the Senate, but other Democrats. We don't need the Senate. So I'm sure when, when Chuck is on his way out the door, it'll be like Megan Rapino, You know, just change the rules as you're leaving.
2: Right? Eight, yep. 866 90 Redeye.
0: Lines open for your calls. 866 90 Eye on Red Eye Radio.
2: It's Red Radio Radio. He's Eric Hurley and I'm Gary McNamara. Coming up following the top of the hour, uh, impeachment inquiry uh, begins next week. And uh, the Republicans, James Comer, talking about the fact that uh, they're going to be issuing subpoenas for financial records. Uh, so we will get uh, to uh, that. Uh, Democrats now worried because Trump has jumped on the autoworker strike and Biden seems to be ignoring it. That more coming up. Eight six six ninety red eye
4: Top of the hour news is brought to you by House Products. Visit HouseProducts.com.
0: This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One.
1: Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile.
2: He is here Carly and I'm Gary McNamara. Good morning. Uh how's everybody doing, huh? We got a little rain here. Got a lot of rain. Some really real yeah. great lightning storm or lightning theater on the way in. Yeah, and heavy, heavy, heavy rain. I'm loving it. Luckily. The heavy rain came when I was within a mile here, and I wasn't on a major highway. <laughs> so, yeah, it was uh, great. It it wasn't as uh, as as bad. A um, couple of interesting uh, articles here, a- and I wonder you're going to like my reasoning here. You see more each and every day that this is a Washington Post article. Anxiety ripples through the Democratic Party over Biden. You're seeing it more and more, really the last yeah. week. Yeah. It's yeah. been everywhere, everywhere you go, and mm-hmm. this is in liberal circles. Mm-hmm. And this, to me, actually had more of an impact when I saw this uh, early last night because the Washington Post did not put the article behind their paywall. <laughs> huh. A growing number of polls showing voters concerned about President Biden's age and energy. Democratic lawmakers have hesitated to offer uh, full-throated endorsements of his uh, of his uh, running mate. Hmm. Prominent commentators have ruminated on whether he should drop out of the presidential race. And it just goes on. I mean, nothing's really new in the article. It's just repeating everything over and over again. And I'm telling you, it's not his age. No.
1: No, 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 no. It's not his age. No, it isn't. Um, some of them are using the age thing because it's easy. Uh no one's gonna argue with you on that. With the exception of a few old people.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's not it's not the age because uh he's still sort of the same that he was when he ran in twenty. 20- uh 20 but they just kept him in the basement the whole time they knew well
1: it's you know it was very clear to anybody paying attention he couldn't really have a debate then and it's much worse now if you think about it and i was waiting for them to um you know jump on the new covid variant and oh well and they did it a little bit you know we're going to The president had to leave earlier. You know, he had he left right in the middle of the ceremony because he didn't want to be exposed to too many people. Um, But they can't do that to the extent they did in 2020. Remember the the press chairs that actually had circles around them? And then he's walking into this and it's a it was in a park or somewhere. I forget where it was. And they had them all like eight feet apart individual chairs and the whole thing. Um, and he ran from his basement. And you can't do that now as a sitting president. You simply can't do it. And, and frankly, with his defiance, he doesn't want to do it.
2: Well, let me ask you this question. Does either of the lead candidates do themselves benefit when they speak publicly? I'm talking Biden on one side mm. and Trump on the other. Trump well, doing Trump doing the interviews over yeah. the last couple, and 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 his interviews what has he talked about he has promoted Bernie Sanders like economics mm-hmm. uh he's still getting you know uh raked over the coals about abortion mm-hmm. and also getting raked over the coals about the radical transgender movement mm-hmm. because in the radical transgender movement he was hemming and hawing and the answer as we said yesterday is no but i guess
1: until you see a massive and, shift you know in the oh, opposite direction of a primary poll
2: i you know that's not the point of whether the polls are shifting mm-hmm. because the polls aren't really shifting for biden when it comes to you know some some of the polls are they've always been close either way mm-hmm. and when it comes to the nomination he has it he has it easily mm-hmm. this is about when they speak what comes out of their mouth
0: mm-hmm.
2: well
1: Does my it, point to that is is that if you look at it and and Trump is outperforming everybody in his field in the polls he's going to look at that and say I'm not going to do anything differently. They they must be loving it because I'm doing great in the polls. And I guess it won't change until there's something different in the polls. I don't, if, if it changes yeah. at all.
2: Well, I don't think many Republicans where his re- support is were in favor of his answers on abortion. Or the radical transgender movement. No. Some populists mm-hmm. that then the Republican Party is growing more populist socialist every mm-hmm. year that we go along mm-hmm. might have agreed with his Bernie Sanders 10% tariff and everything into the country. Conservatives did not. Mm-hmm. There is not an overall message that Trump puts out. That, you know, on, on, for example, those things and the two things in the culture wars are huge mm-hmm. in the Republican Party where Republicans agree with him. They may be sticking with him, but the fact is, is it smart politics to go out and promote what your party doesn't want to hear, even if they support you?
1: Well, we wondered about like the internal polls with independence, right? Um, in my mind, if when we introduce that thought. Uh, Was it earlier this week or last week? When we introduce that thought, are there some internal polls that are showing, look, you're going to have to do something about this problem with independence right now. Independents aren't on board. Um, And if that is the case, I would also wonder, is there any concern about the states where there are open primaries? Now, open primaries, a lot of people will tell you it's, it's a farce because Liberals can stack the odds that if they want Trump to be the nominee because they think he'll lose against anybody, uh, then they can, you know, they can vote accordingly. Um, But these are all questions as to whether or not, you know, again, he's looking at internal polls or whether he's just looking at the polls right now on the GOP side of it in the primary and saying, I'm crushing it and I don't need to change a thing until I'm not crushing it. I don't know.
2: And uh, again, neither is related my uh, my point to the polls mm-hmm. because Biden still dominates. And, you know, Democrats believe he's a blithering idiot. Mm-hmm. Even Democrats understand that. And they're still supporting him on it. Well, he might know he can't right. govern my 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 point, I guess, would be when you get to the general election, do they both just decide now nah, we're not going to do anything?
1: No, I think it's going to be a, a totally different game. I think, you know, um, with with Trump announcing he's not going to be on the stage again next week on Wednesday and he's going to, you know, uh, be talking to union members instead. And we wondered, OK, well, how long do you think you can do that? He might think well, I can go through the whole primary season without
2: debating any other. Yeah. Well, Republican. What's, it, but what's his message going to be? Well, you know, oh, let, oh, let, let me also throw in ethanol when he talks mm, about subsidizing ethanol. Sure. The things that Trump is loudly promoting are Democrat liberal points.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, sure. That's what he's been promoting the mm-hmm. last couple of weeks when he's doing more interviews. Yep, they're all Democrat talking points, and yeah. and the things that we completely disagree with as Republicans. Mm-hmm. And so you look at it and you go, okay, so it does and and we asked the question i i agree with you on that is, is he looking at it does he believe look i've got the primary sewn up now i've got to pretend that i'm willing to cross over
1: well because it it goes back to living in a bubble we talk about the bu- the blue bubble that gavin Newsom lives in and and you know how he believes he's a, he's likely believes we believe uh, that he believes he's a hero uh, all over the nation and with some liberals he is Uh, But it's nothing like what he gets in California. And that could apply here if you're, you know, if you're living in any bubble, however you define a bubble and say, well, you know, uh, like he went to Trump, went to Iowa uh, last week or week before Mm -hmm. and got that huge reception. And if you see that, look, uh, there's going to be there are going to be those moments when you show up and everybody's going to applaud You're first of all, you're a celebrity and then you're a former president and you still have strong support. Um, because it was interesting to me when you talk about, when we talk about independence, the first state I think about it is Iowa. When we talk about, uh, trade, uh, I, I think of Iowa because of the farmers and you think of the, uh, the, the pork farmers and, and the corn farmers and, and all of those that were affected by, uh, the disruption in the trade routes based on the tariffs of before. Now, you know, we We were for uh, taking action against China, Um, you know, and it's and I, you know, there there are things that need to be done. And China needs to be uh, needs to have a clear understanding of how the trade is going to work and what intellectual property rights uh, actually mean. But aside from that, the farmers were hurting and they were screaming, we don't want the government money. What we want is to reestablish trade routes. How much of that is a driver right now? Do they look at it and say, yeah, but the Democrats would would kill us? I I don't know. I mean, it's so hard to get a read on and and also on what the I mean, I know what Joe Biden thinks. I know how his mind works. It's very clear. He's defiant at every turn. You know, uh, if the polls showed he only had a two percent support with the Democratic Party and (laughs) they might they, they may show that eventually. Then he would say, "Well, you know, blah blah blah. Come on, Jack. You know, I won, and I'm going to win again. And you know, he's just defiant at every turn. And I, I, I don't know how you get a, a, a Joe Biden to decide to drop out of the race to well, not run let's, again.
2: Let's look at it. If you you can't, it, I think it's tough to judge. You can't. I, I don't believe you can judge Republicans, or at least Trump, as the same standard with independence as you do with Biden." Oh no because no, no, no. because no, on I the on, on the issues I mean Republicans are more were more issue driven. I don't know if they are in this election. Mm-hmm. Because uh, you know you you know for example on the abortion stuff you've seen a lot of people you know rise yeah. up conservatives say you what what would he what would he do? Well right. it's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Everyone knows it's ridiculous when Trump said I'm going to find a solution to abortion that everybody will be pleased with. Mhm. That's outright delusional. Yeah, it is. That's not going to happen. We mm-hmm. all know that. Mm-hmm. You can be the biggest, most loyal Trump supporter. You know that's a load of horse manure. Mm-hmm. But when you see everything that Trump is t- the the four major things that that uh, are not Republican conservative you know uh, points at all. Uh, you know his you know uh, 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 ethanol. Mm -hmm. You know, that's right to the whole climate change thing. You think about the Lordstown EV plant Mm -hmm. when he was president, how we endorsed that. And we went after him for that. Mm -hmm. Well, my electric. Well, it's Donald Trump. And if it's Donald Trump, well, then he's a business person and he knows how the government can be a better central planner for the economy and have electric vehicles succeed. Mm -hmm. Horse manure. Mm -hmm. You know, so you look at things like you look at things like uh, like that. And he's still wanting to subsidize ethanol, which is not needed. You don't need to subsidize ethanol. You need to subsidize uh, ethanol. Will Trump, and it'll be interesting to see what he talks about with, you know, next week with these uh, auto workers. Is he going to go down the route that, you know, we're going to invest in good automobile, you know, jobs, which means, uh, or electric vehicles, or he's going to do the right thing and say, your union leadership sucks mm-hmm. that they went along with the Democrats and the electric vehicles and the electric vehicles are wrong. You need to produce gasoline vehicles that can make a profit mm-hmm. because you cannot, I think, I think it was the wall street journal had an editorial. Now it was somebody, it was an op-ed piece in the wall street journal. Uh, someone saying about uh, that, the, uh, you know, the, the whole thing, the whole infrastructure act and, and, and all that, that, and all the money that's a, uh, you know, given, uh, you know, uh, for in so-called investment is the whole point of it is to, you know, have much higher salaries, union salaries. You're actually subsidizing the high salaries and much higher salaries of these industries that can't make a profit and talked about how, you know, that's going to crumble beneath it. So it's really important to see what Trump's going to say here. But when you Mm -hmm. take the ethanol, when you take Trump's support, of the Lordstown you know electric you know vehicle plant where he basically said those electric vehicles are wrong this plant is doing it right well they weren't they went bankrupt mm-hmm. and so it wasn't you know it wasn't done right and central planners can't save it and so when you take that and everything else that he has talked about the liberal transgender movement where he couldn't give a straight answer on it abortion where he couldn't give a straight answer on it. Uh how many times can he go out over the next 6 months and just promote things that are diametrically opposed to most republicans and what republicans think. And I don't know. I'm I'm putting that in a question form because mm-hmm. you're right, it hasn't affected his poll numbers and that's why we asked yesterday. Will republicans elect if he goes out and just completely goes as far left liberal as you can imagine yeah and on many of these issues that's the fear right now will republicans still say it doesn't matter he is the symbolism that we're going to stand behind i, I, even, if I I'm even if the substance is even if i'm convinced
1: for now that that is the case was and, it, you, and was i don't know i don't know was what it,
2: changes it but was it you who said this is the most was it you who said it off the air on the air yesterday about this is the most This is the most ever you've ever seen Republicans practice political idolatry.
1: Yeah, it's it's, everything is because you look at the drivers right of where we are and what is the driver right now? This is the, the Republican Party. This has been the greatest idolatry. Even with Reagan, it was based in you knew what Reagan thought on issues. It was very clear long before he even became governor of california you knew where he was on the issue certainly if you didn't you knew it before he became president and that's the difference and
2: now it's just open to idolatry it really is just idolatry for a lot of people Eight six six ninety red eye
4: this owner operator driver report is brought to you by shell rotella Sherotella with advanced synthetic technology is designed to help keep your rig running with more mileage and less maintenance. Least owner-operators should be aware of four common revenue myths, lest you fall into the trap of mistaking revenue for profit. Myth 1. Concentrate on increasing revenue because costs will take care of themselves. This is not true, as costs are fundamental to the profit equation and the area where owners exert the most control to improve. Myth 2 more revenue per mile is the answer to all problems though carrier pay packages differ in structure revenue per mile really doesn't change much from company to company but there can be a big difference in miles overall gross revenue reimbursements and fees myth three all you have to do to be successful is run a lot of miles in reality revenue is only half of the profit equation costs are the other half it's possible to generate a lot of revenue yet spend a dollar ten to make every dollar myth four. You can tell how well you're doing by the size of your settlement check. The settlement check is only a part of the success picture. Miles driven, loads hauled, conditions, mechanical problems, time off, and especially costs all have to be considered.
1: This report is brought to you by
0: FPPF Fuel Power Max. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll free at 866-90-RED-EYE.
4: Find out more by searching the Stacking Benjamins podcast wherever you listen. Hi there. Sorry for the
6: interruption, but are you enjoying this show on Google Podcasts? You should know that the Google Podcasts app is going away this spring. That's right. Going away. Gone as in no longer available. You can still enjoy this show elsewhere, though. Try out Spotify or Amazon Music or maybe TuneIn is more your style. Whatever app you switch to. Be sure to follow so you never miss the next episode. And thanks for listening wherever you listen.
2: It's Reddit Radio. He's Eric Hurley, and I'm Gary McNamara. You know, when you when you look at uh, uh, again, and and I don't know why you know Trump hem and hawed on the uh, radical transgender movement, abortion, um, you know, subsidies, things like that. Uh, but you look, and and he may be going for you know that's his thought process. I need to get independence. Republicans in the House mm-hmm. with this shutdown. We'll Hmm. get to that coming up. Are they facing the exact same problems here? Hmm. We'll talk more coming up.
0: You're a threat to democracy if you don't download our app, Red Eye Radio.
2: And he is Eric Hurley, and uh, I'm Gary McNamara. Uh, You know, uh, download our Red Eye Radio app today, listen when and where you want. And so we're early, as we know, in a, um, you know, in in the campaign. Mm. And so when you look at it, you wonder, okay, you know, why is Trump saying the things that he is saying? I mean, is he looking to get independence? One of the things when you look at the House right now um, and the fact that they can't come together on a spending bill and some great points that were made. We understand. We understand why you have members of the conservative caucus that wish to cut. Yeah, sure. We understand that. Yeah. Um, uh, The uh, you know, and, and they want to cut majorly because that's what we've been proposing for the longest time but the reality is you can't politically well yeah. no, well you can't politically because you don't have you don't have what it takes if you're going to cut you have to sort of do what happened last time hmm. where you approve a bill and then you do it with mccarthy going up against the senate yeah you're going to get modest it's all going to be modest but you can't get anything done if you don't have the presidency and you don't have, you know, the the Senate. Hmm. And you don't have more of a uh, lead in the House. You only have a right. House by four votes. right? And so you're limited into what you're going to do. So if you believe, I, I'm exaggerating here, we need to cut the budget by 20% and do it now. You're right. not going to get agreement on that because you're never going to get that. Yeah, you're never going to get that. And the American public wants cuts, but they want cuts they can't feel. That's the other reality that you have.
1: Yeah, they always start with cut foreign aid. Cut cut everybody outside the U.S. (laughs) Everybody but me. Everybody but the U.S. Start there.
2: (laughs) And and so you have what's going on right now is If Republicans can't come to an agreement, Republicans are blamed for the shutdown and whoever causes the shutdown, Americans blame them. Mm -hmm. And the expectations of some in the conservative caucus as to what they believe they can cut uh, is worth the discussion. Without question, and as we have said, the one failure of this Congress so far, as we said, is that when you go through this process of having the House for two years, that's when you have to go to the American public and market what your overall plan is and what you're trying to do now. And the communication from the House has not been great. Yeah. And it... It hasn't been. it hasn't been great because it hasn't been consistent. And so you have all this infighting. And if the infighting causes the shutdown inside the Republican Party, Republicans are blamed for the shutdown. And then, I think the Wall Street Journal pointed out, when Republicans are blamed for the shutdown, Democrats will actually be able to get more to reopen government back up. Because we've seen it before happen. Right. And that's the par- problem that you have, and that comes with the independent. The same thing that Trump is probably is dealing with in his mind. Because we asked the question the other day, is it to the point? Is Trump promoting these things that are absolutely liberal? Mm. Absolutely liberal concepts. And on the culture wars, especially, you're like, whoa, is he doing it because He his belief is with his advisors. I've got the nomination, but I can't win the general election. Mm -hmm. And so I've got to move to the center. Yeah, right. Because you have Republicans right now. I mean, it was you you saw it on social media to feel betrayed because he did his job when it comes to the Supreme Court justices. Mm hmm. And so it's like, why do you have to go with this? Because you can say this, you could. he could have said it in a different way on abortion. Hmm. He could have simply said the Supreme Court made the decision. Right now it's in the hands of the states. Yeah. The states will get to, to yeah. do what they want, and you leave it at that and you move on. Mm-hmm. But when he said that you know what DeSantis did was horrible... You're not going to win that with Republican conservatives, Republican populist. You may. Well, he's the one he's the one. And we said this from the beginning. um,
1: He's he's the one candidate on the GOP stage right now, especially right now. That can pretend the others don't exist. And I don't mean literally on the debate stage. I mean, in the field. All he needs to do is talk about his presidency and the things he wants to do going forward. Who was it? Was it uh, Victor Davis Hanson uh, yesterday that was talking about, you know, the three choices uh, of where he could go and, and how he could campaign? And really, you know, if you think about it in 2016, we mentioned this after playing some audio from Mr. Hanson, the. The the tactic in 2016 was about, these are the things I want to get done. And if you don't make it about you and you make it about those things, even on election night, and most people didn't see his victory speech on election night, he used the word we Mm -hmm. several times, and we made note of that. Yeah, we did. And we said, that's important. That's what you want. And You know, so then you look at uh, 2020 and the fallout after 2020 and, and the whole thing. And quite frankly, you just you the best tactic would be go back to your 2016 strategy of these are the things we did not get accomplished that we need to get accomplished. It's clear now we need that wall. It's clear. I mean, my gosh. You might get Mayor Adams endorsement on the wall, (laughs) but you can look at, I mean, by comparison, you can, Mm -hmm. you can look at things on, you know, on, on, on so many levels. Look, we got taxes down. Uh, We got, uh, we got energy, uh, you know, ramped up. We were producing a lot of energy. We're going to go back to that. I'm going to work with Congress to make some things permanent when it comes to energy, long-term uh real goals as a nation and set that policy in place with help from my colleagues in congress and blah 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 those are the things that i think people want to hear it's not you, you know there's a lot that you can just point to and say oh my gosh look at how bad biden is but also they want you to take that football and run across into the end zone with it and That's something that he was able to do in 2016. And I think that's what people are, are, I think there, I think a lot of people, this is the thing with idolatry. Remember with hope and change, people applied their own thing to it, right? Well, you know, that's, it's not exactly the same because there are things that, again, Trump did as president that were good things and and benefited people uh,
2: greatly. No, because he but, no, because he won. Uh, I I didn't sense idolatry at all in 2016. In twenty sixteen, it I wasn't the case. It, it was the fact, and and we had we had said this. I think it was September, and I believe I said it in September of twenty fifteen. Yeah, where the media was like, "Why do they love him so much?" Right, and I said because he wishes to put Americans first that's his goal Mm -hmm. whether we i agreed with whether what he actually wanted to do would work right and as we know when he actually got into political office (laughs) he might have bragged i i you know for example we've always talked about usmca Mm -hmm. i'm gonna get rid of nafta we're getting rid of nafta Mm -hmm. not really Mm -hmm. didn't really get rid of nafta Mm -hmm. and i'm glad he did not and he was very much more protectionist you know, as he was running mm-hmm. and some of the things that, you know, uh, you know he I, he completely changed in a period of six months from 2015 to 2016. You remember on, um, you know, that the whole the whole squad was based on not the squad. Good God. The swamp, yeah. <laughs> the, the, the swamp was based on Republicans who wouldn't cut yeah. six months later, you had Trump. You know, in the spring of 2016, talking about the fact that we should be paying, you know, uh, 50 cents on a dollar, you know, on our debt.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And it was like, you can't do that. And he was pushing it. Well, yes, I can. I can. And we, I remember we were saying on the air and you have people calling him, yes, he can do that because he's Trump. That's where the political idolatry came in. Things that were impossible yeah, that was, yeah, where, was, people, where yeah. people would back it yeah, or... Yeah where Trump came in and said, you know something, we need to borrow trillions upon trillions of dollars for our infrastructure uh, because interest rates are low right now. Well, And it, we went, yeah. no, and that's where the political idolatry people would say, no, Trump is right because he's a bit, no, you're not going to spend trillions. of. Tr- we we saw what happened right now with, with Democrats when they did that. It didn't mm-hmm. work. Mm-hmm. And uh, whatever the interest rate was then, you're not paying the, the principal off. And so you're going to be paying higher interest rates as you see right now on the budget down the road. But those were things where he changed 180 degrees, you know, in, you know, uh, in, you know, in, in that time, I don't know necessarily why, because I don't think he needed to do that when he came out and right. the, said those things about right. the, the, uh, the, the budget, mm-hmm. but he did. Yeah. Uh, but people forget about the fact that, that, and I said it in September of 15, that, the American public believes he; they believe the people that support him. He loves us. He cares about us first. Mm-hmm. That's that's what he wants. He's making that clear that it's about and and make America first is what that was about. Well, and yeah, you, you America know, America first b- is what make, that was make about. Make
1: America great again, uh, you know, was founded on that, and the left, you know, tried to make it about uh,
2: racism and yeah, it wasn't, racism it was racism and, econo- and bigotry it was,
1: and everything else. And it was about was, economics. It was clearly about yeah. uh, economics, and and you know. But I think the problem is, is idolatry has a way of then applying thoughts in people's heads um, where, okay, there are things with with Trump, it's based on how he campaigned in 2016 and things he did as president. With Obama, it was very different because it was based on nothing. It was based on two words, yeah. hope and change. Yeah. It was like, well, no, he's going to pay my car payment. He's going to send me a check. He's going to do all these things. Uh, uh, I am pretty sure we're going to take a painting class together. Um, I mean, it was all of these things, <laughs> you know, that were just, and it really was bizarre. I mean, it was, I, I think that was the beginning of a uh, beginning of uh legalization. If I'm not, um, if I'm not mistaken, um, but <laughs> <you> <laughs> weed, not mushrooms and, and those, but and. it, What I would say is you can leverage that with your base. You're really not worried about your base. Your base seems to be there. But if you take that, then, and it it clearly is based on the things that you promoted in 2016 and, and things you did as president. If you apply that, then that's your best shot, in my opinion, and, you know, just my opinion. That if you apply that, you say you you use those standards and tactics and strategies from 2016 to say, you know, I look, look what I got done. I got this done, this done, this done. It goes back to the editorial board of the um, Wall Street Journal uh, in the fall of 20 when they were saying, look, just
2: promote the, your accomplishments. Well, and we criticized Trump for that. You're not you're not even your own cheerleader anymore. Right. Yeah. And, and a, a guy right. who. Has always
1: been his own yeah. cheerleader. I mean, likely as a young child, you know. I mean, you know, everybody knows I got the best grade in school. Everybody knows, and you know, he's been a self-promoter to no end. You know, it was, um, it was, and sometimes fun to watch. The left loved him and made a celebrity out of him for doing that. And so you can promote the things you actually got done without hyperbole, even. Of course, we know it will apply. And you can, and I believe that's your best shot at connecting with independence.
2: 866
0: Red Eye. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara.
2: our radio. He's Eric Carlin. I'm Gary McNamara. The impeachment inquiry starts next week. Uh, a whole bunch of things to talk about there. We have actually, I don't think we really talked about it much this week.
1: Uh, the impeachment inquiry? Yeah. No, not yeah, really because not really. it had kind of gone silent. We were just waiting for the beginning. But, yeah, now it's going to start uh, a week from tomorrow, next Thursday. So, which will be a day after the next GOP primary debate.
2: Yeah, I don't know what they're going to do. I don't know if it's going to be televised. I don't right. know if it's right. if there's going to be witnesses. They haven't really talked about that.
1: Right. Is it a lot of, on that first day, a lot of procedural items? Right. You know, um, I guess we'll see.
0: is Red Eye Radio.
2: All across America and around the planet, we are Red Eye Radio. Good morning. He is Eric Hurley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Alright, I just found this audio cut. I didn't listen to it. It's from Fox. But I want to play it because it just looks very juicy. It's, All right. It's Martha McCallum interviewing John Kirby about illegal immigration. Okay. And saying. Basically, why doesn't the president address this? And Kirby responds, apparently, he absolutely addressed this. He doesn't talk about it. He never talks about it. And that's a great point. When does he ever talk about what's going on at the border? I haven't heard him talk about any of it. No, the questions are asked to kirby and things like that but the president really doesn't address it let's let's hear this okay here we go All right
5: so yeah, why doesn't for- the president address this it's a very urgent need in this country while he's talking to the u.n really missed opportunity today no 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 i mean he's he's absolutely he doesn't this. talk about it john he, he has, never talks about he it. has addressed this with those leaders in the region we were just in, down in mexico city several months ago he has had he's had Multiple now. Two, I think, summits for democracy at each one of them. This issue comes up at each one of them. He addresses it with those leaders. I mean, did that, that he didn't have a specific conversation today doesn't mean that he hasn't had in the past or that he won't in the future or that the Secretary of State isn't also having these discussions. All these leaders realize, Martha, that it is a regional problem. It's not just because of one country's politics or one country's economics. There are just simply more people on the move, and there's a lot of reasons for that. Famine, drought, political instability, such as what you see in in Venezuela. People have lots of reasons for being on the move. 89% of these people don't have asylum. They don't have a legitimate asylum claim. Which is why he has worked so hard in the region to develop these centers around uh, several countries where people can apply for legal pathways ways to come in that's great it's and, not it's working. Why, and it's <laughs> why we bolstered as much as we can we bolstered security at the at the border to try to okay. d- deter AMA- I- I- I-
2: <laughs> what a bull
1: that was horrible <laughs> what did, what did, what did, but you know i mean but, the, i mean that's just really horrible he sounds like a child his energy level
2: alone and and it continues here i i I have more here we go here's more on this conversation president biden
5: did not say a word about our southern border today he didn't meet with leaders from mexico guatemala you have Nine, ten thousand 10,000 people crossing the border in unprecedented numbers. How is this something that he doesn't address when he's in New York City where there's a crisis unfolding less than a mile away from where he's speaking? Well, Martha, he did address uh, the challenge of regional migration in the speech. He talked about the Los Angeles Declaration for Migration and for uh, and Support for, uh, for Migrants. Uh, he knows, and he addressed it again in the remarks, that this is a regional thing. You're not wrong. I mean, there are more people on the move in this hemisphere now.
2: All right, it's, it was the same thing. But. Yeah. And he didn't meet with Adams. Like, eh, the immigration problem is happening at the border because the Democrats and the president want it to happen at the border. Yeah. It's very clear. We all know it. Wow.
1: Yeah, it's, um. you know, when you look at it, honestly, I, I, I guess this is exactly what you should expect from anybody who's going to speak for this president. They know a couple of things. They know, first of all, you can't let them out there off script. You can't let him out there on script. You put him in front of a prompter, you know, he squints, and then he just starts talking on his own. You know, he's, it's it's actually a lot worse than an SNL skit. And that you can't, you know, you couldn't write this. It's so bad. And it's very cringeworthy. It's very cringe. Every time he speaks, him talking about the border, no, not going to happen. I mean, I'm you know we talked about with with like Kareem Jean Pierre. I'm confident that they picked Kareem Jean Pierre, and and now Kirby. I don't I don't know what the world. Kirby used to be one of those guys. Who could just answer a question, blah, 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 blah. And now he sounds like a teenager. You can't defend crap. No, well, no, you can't. And he sounds like a teenager trying to, well, I know I wrecked the car. I know I wrecked, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. I wrecked the car. I wrecked the car. But you know what? You still have a car. You can't drive it, but you still have a car.
2: I mean, it's like listening to a teenager. Well, the thing is, all the 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 networks run, even CNN. I mean, the problem, as they're calling it, the uh, El Paso being on the cusp of a third wave of of illegal immigrants hitting the border again, right? You know, they they start they stopped at one of the bridges, or they stopped the cargo processing yesterday. Yep. Let's let's hear. This is CNN on it. So, I mean, that's why it's such a huge issue. And it's like, he doesn't care. it no, doesn't, doesn't, doesn't care. Uh, there are more than 20,000 migrants in the custody of, of Border Patrol and, and Customs and Border Protection right now. So a great deal of concern as to what exactly this means and
3: how long this, this, this surge might last.
2: That was CNN yesterday. Yep. Uh, let's go to... Okay, this is more from CNN yesterday. Mm. Here we go. Migrant
4: crisis at the southern border is exploding once again this morning. Officials in El Paso say the Texas city is on the cusp of a a third wave of migrants and local shelters are already over capacity. The region has seen a spike in migrants at the Texas-Mexico border, averaging about 1,200 encounters per day.
2: Uh, let's that, let's go to, uh, we'll go to News Nation, uh, also, uh, covering it yesterday. Mm. So, uh, you know, five people saw it on News Nation. So we'll at least double that here by playing this audio
5: <laughs> this morning, U S customs and border protection announcing it is temporarily suspending cargo processing at the bridge of the Americas in El Paso, Texas, because you guessed it. That huge surge, a surge, that continuous influx of migrants crossing into the country illegally. Uh, that means truckers who usually make the crossing, they'll have to find other routes. Officials closed a pedestrian border crossing in California for the same reason. Uh, this problem has no solution in sight.
2: Well, because nobody's looking for a solution. Yeah. The administration isn't looking to solve the problem. No. They created the problem. Right. This can be solved. Yeah. They don't want to solve Well, and the thing is, it's, you know, trying to make the case that we're in a different time now, that it's just now that people wish to come over the that, border, yeah, right. creating yeah. this problem, yeah, yeah, that yeah. we're trying to stop yeah. it. But yeah. there's so many. It's a regional problem. And there's, oh, the mm-hmm. one good thing is, though, what did Kirby not give as a reason for migrants crossing illegal immigrants, migrants, whatever, whatever status they have for crossing the border, what reason did he not give? Climate change? Climate change. Because that, you know how you know they're, you know how you know that they're not really trying to solve the problem? Hmm. When they came out and said the reason people are crossing is climate change. Right. That's when you knew, okay, here comes the bull and this is a lot of
1: bull.
4: Well, no, this I is it's
1: it, it, they missed a, a, an opportunity where it's, you know, some of the cooler air has made it down to, you know, even uh, the southern part of the United States, but in Nicaragua it's still very warm. They're coming up here because of climate change. Totally botched it. Which by the way would still be botching it in our opinion. The, but he it, it, this is this is with with all of the media basically waving this flag hey look at this crisis there we're at the point now of having to shut down these crossings and these all of these entrances because they don't have enough personnel to handle everything that's flooding the border you know i expect biden to go on vacation
2: well this administration is spreading more feces uh uh, than the Buffalo Bills fan did yesterday or two days ago.
0: <laughs>
2: yeah, I'm sure. I mean it's this, I mean it's just it's just every and and I America wake up. Every problem we have today is because of the people that we put in elective of office. Yep. they've caused Detroit. it. The choice they don't now. Where were the Democrats, where's the Republicans out there yesterday, you know, with this all happening? Why isn't there a consistent message all the time? You know, I would. Know, it, it was, uh, oh, uh, you know, we, we always talk about, you know, using slogans. Because slogans can be, there's nothing wrong with symbolism if it's backed up with the substance of your ideas. Right. Mm -hmm. And so where the Republicans should be consistently saying, as we say here on Red Eye, look, they've got over a period of four years, they've got billions of dollars to spend on marketing Mm -hmm. and using it effectively. We can't solve the situation on the border because the Biden administration created it. Yeah. Yeah. The Democrats do not want to solve the problem on the border because they created it. Mm-hmm. The administration and the Democrats don't want to solve inflation, they created it. The grid problems that we're having, the Democrats can't solve it because they created it. Well, you've got you you've got
1: the mayor of New York City screaming bloody murder and has been for months and months and months screaming for help and Biden just says no i mean think about that yeah yep think about that and you know, it's not the mayor of del rio although you know back with with the uh international bridge uh situation there that mayor it's a Democrat. But, of course, it wasn't going to happen with a border town. We're talking about New York City, though. Mayor Adams. Nope. Nah, we can't do anything for you. Eh, we can't do anything. Sorry.
2: Because they don't care. This is part of the plan. Yeah, They don't care care what's going on at the border. Listen, if you were and 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 by the way, think about this Democrats. They don't think what they don't care what's going on in New York City or Chicago or Los Angeles. They don't care. Nope. So they don't care if you're a Democrat that's suffering about this. They created this problem. They have no incentive to solve the problem. What's going on right now With the legal immigration in this country is the policy that the Democrats want. It's what Biden promised in 2020. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: If you were deported during the Trump years, we want you to come back. We want everybody here. They show up in massive numbers. Telling the media, well, they told us to come back. They told us to come here. Why do you think we're here? And the cartels are looking at it going, my gosh, we can create such a problem, such a crisis at the border, that we'll just have our way at all of the non crossings. We'll control everything. And they do. The cartel has greater control of our southern border than the U.S., and that's a result of policy, officially. It is policy that the cartel gets to have their way. We have the ability to undo that, to change that, but we don't. Biden's not going to because he was elected after telling them, come here, come back. If you were deported, we want you to come back. We welcome everybody. We're not going to build a wall, we're going to build a bridge.
2: And here we are. It's all happening because this is what they want. Yep. And I just, I wonder why I would have, you know, once I would have said, look, uh, the red eyed guys are really good at slogans. When they come up with a slogan, let's start using it seriously, Mm. Mm. because that's what I would say. um, That's what I'd be doing if I was a Republican. I'd say we need to get this message out over and over again. And we need to make the case that, look, traditionally Americans are concerned and they want to vote for the political party that will solve the problems that we have. Mm-hmm. We're in a unique position today. And the unique position is people wonder why can't the Democrats solve the problems? Well, Democrats can't solve the problems because now we've been electing people that create the problems. right? So they have no incentive to solve the problems. And as long as Americans are willing to accept paying their tax dollars, For the government to make their lives harder, less secure, fewer police, fewer jobs, fewer union jobs, Mm -hmm. destroying the manufacturing base, not going after our own natural resources and begging our enemies to help us, as long as that's the kind of country that we have because that's the people that are being elected, the problems can't be solved because everything that you see right now is what the Democratic Party wants. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, they wouldn't be doing it. 866 red
0: eye Coming up, more with Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. It's Red Eye Radio.
2: It's Friday Radio. He is Eric Hurley, and uh, I'm Gary McNamara. And I guess all the indications are the Fed isn't going to raise rates today.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, when you get into the uh, – and and I, I really wonder what they're looking at for inflation. Because we'll get inflation numbers, uh, you know, for – September, in about a month. Then you start getting into the heart of the political season. Once you start getting up there toward, uh, you know, the 30-year mortgage again is inching up even further. Um, But you've got interest rates, key interest rate, um, or the average 30-year mortgage rate could be close to 8% by the time you get into 2024. I did see an analyst saying, well, maybe now's the time to, I I don't I guess you hope against hope you start reversing interest rates I don't think that's going to happen because core inflation is still on the rise and I think right now they're trying to play that political balancing act of how far do we go with it but I'm guessing we'll see a quarter of a point increase sometime between now and the end of the year I could be wrong
2: you're looking at, uh, there's a headline, home building collapses as market struggles. Yeah. See home building down 23% in the yeah. Northeast. Right. 9% in the South, but 23% mm-hmm. in the mm-hmm. Northeast. Yeah.
1: Wow. You know, the the money, the, the mortgage money is very expensive now. Like compared to where we were just a few years ago. You know, you think about it. We and we've talked about this before there's a difference between going from you know eight to ten percent up to twelve percent and going from you know zero or close to zero you know at one point uh then all the way up to now close to eight percent right or even three percent and eight percent that's a huge jump
0: Listening to Red Eye Radio from the Uniden America Studios.
2: It's Red Eye Radio. He's our and I'm Gary McNamara. Thanks uh, for the listener that sent us the uh, the picture of the hammer and sickle uh, grocery store in Chicago. They had a sign in front of this grocery store, and then some someone else who suggested it was Gary. I think who suggested a guy Mm. by the name of Gary who uh, uh, suggested. A name for the government grocery store in mm-hmm. Chicago, if there is a government grocery store, yeah, shop and loot, yeah, or stop, stop and loot, loot. yeah, stop and loot, right, yeah. So or idiots, as they call it in San Francisco, CVS. <laughs> there was quite a bit of stuff on that the that Marin Morse country artist yesterday. Yeah. how do you? What are you talking about? That you're giving up on country music? That she's not going to play the genre of country music? They believe she's going to go pop.
1: Okay. Isn't that what today's country music is anyway?
2: <laughs> I don't know what the difference would be. Right, because because today's country music is certainly not country music. No, from the '80s, it's it's from the '90s. It's not any. Anything close? Not even close to it. So, it's... yeah. And I did like on social media where it was pointed out that really what drove her is the whole transgender movement. So she's calling others misogynist because of their views, yet she's the misogynist because of her well-known views on the radical transgender movement.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's, I I don't see, I really don't, um, I, you know, I I, because what would the goal be? You think you're going to get a better reception? I mean, if you're a capable musician, if you've got a fan base, essentially what it sounds like to me is, The fans in country music are horrible people. I'd rather go play for fans of a different genre. Well, if you're an artist and you have fans, how do you not appreciate your fans?
2: I don't know. Is this a Sally Field kind of thing? They love me. They love me. Or the opposite. They hate me. They hate me. They really oh, are right. Me. right. They, they, well, well, no, You, you well, my point was you just want to be loved all the time. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I want to have my political opinions, it, and I want to put my political opinions in my music, but don't you put it in yours. If you put it in yours and it differs in mine, then I'm quitting the genre of music. I'm tired of Jason Aldean getting all of the record
1: sales. That's what it <laughs> sounds like to me jealousy she sees jason aldine and other artists that connect with their fans
2: well you know should women really be playing country music or should it be should men take it over completely
1: well i don't know <laughs> if you were to ask uh, back in the day tammy wynette she would say stand by your man
2: <laughs> <laughs> and since the radical transgender movement is being the one of the the huge thrusts is men playing women's sports? Mm-hmm. Then m- I think maybe she's just capitulating that men should only be playing country music. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> well. You know the thing is too. It's it confusing that, to be a liberal, well, doesn't but, it?
1: But when you, yeah, when you make this declaration, right, that I'm, I'm leaving the genre. Well, now everybody's waiting. Go, okay. Well, which genre are you gonna float into? Because you've got to be a good artist. It doesn't matter. You've got to be a good artist. I'm not saying she's not talented, but there's how receptive an audience might be depends on your presentation you know Pat Boone did a metal album it made the news but his fan base was like uh, what's that noise <laughs> you know you you if so if you come out look there's not as I point out there's not much of a difference but did, did her publicist agent and label and everyone say, look, we're going to have to make an announcement that we're looking for ads on pop radio. We're not looking for ads when an ad is when they add an artist's record. If it's a, there's a new record, they put it in rotation. They play it on the air. We're going to go for ads on top 40 stations, on pop stations. Uh, that could be the case. But it's still, the reason behind it still, to me, reeks of jealousy. Jason Aldine is connecting with his fans in a real way. And people like him often do. And it doesn't matter what I think of Jason Aldine or what I think of her or what I think of anybody else's music. It's what the fans think. It's like... um Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee, Brian Regan's been on twice, but on one of them, they were talking, Jerry Seinfeld and Brian Regan, talking about critics who write about comics. Well, yeah, but the decision's already been made. I told the joke and the audience laughed.
2: <laughs>
1: it's already it's it's already done. It's already done. There's already been a judgment. Right. Right. And that's the, that's the judgment. You know, you can say back in the day, you know, I mean, a lot of people had an issue in country music, had an issue with Garth Brooks, you know, and it's like, well, you know, he's doing something right. You know, he's got a fan base. It's between him and his fans. It's with, with any artist. But I don't get when you say, well, I'm leaving the genre because in part you are saying, you guys suck. They're the ones that bought your records or listened to you on the radio or streamed your songs on Spotify. They're the ones that helped build you. And if what you're saying is there's nobody there and I don't care, I can just, you know, blast away. I I was led to believe she had a fan base. I don't know. I can't measure it. I don't know. Yeah, me too.
2: I don't don't know what she draws when she goes, you know, plays live. You
1: know, the thing is, is that if if she's run out of a fan base, then it would make sense. Look, there's no fans here. I got to try something else. And, you know, that's interesting, but it reeks of jealousy. And you... You know, it's it's a it's an interesting thing. There are there are so many talented people out there that don't have labels, they don't have uh record deals, they don't have you know, uh, they don't play very often. You know, plenty of talented musicians out there. And she was,
2: you know, somewhat established. Can I read some of the headlines? Mm-hmm. Maren Morris is righteously angry and leaving country music. So what's next from Billboard? Mm. So what's next? No, that's it. Everybody is now going, okay, now what? Maren Morris is backing away from country music, highlighting the genre's existential crisis. <laughs>
1: I, see, I would argue that if there's a crisis, and this is coming from an old guy, yeah. but if there's a crisis, it's that, The, the, that genre sounds too, too pop. Yeah. You know, and it, it applies to a number of artists, even some of the artists that wear cowboy hats on stage (laughs) still sound too pop. (laughs) Right. Again, for my taste, Mm -hmm. but Eric isn't part of the equation. The fans already voted. They bought the t-shirts. They showed up at the concert. They listen on Spotify. They stream, they buy the music, Whatever. You know, it's and and so now you've made this declaration. Miss Morris has said, I'm leaving the genre. So now you've got to enter, right? Well, here I come. I got a new pop album. It's an interesting dynamic. You know, because uh I remember there was a there was a rift. You remember the movie um Con Air, with Nicolas Cage.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: On the soundtrack was a song called "How Do I Live Without You." Now Trisha Yearwood's version ended up on the soundtrack. A little inside information, though. Leanne Rhymes also had a version of that, and Disney said she was too young. They didn't feel like it was appropriate for her to be singing. By the way, this is how much Disney has changed <laughs> over the years. <laughs>
2: They didn't think
1: it was appropriate, and I think she was 16, maybe 17 at the time, for her to be singing about, you know, this long-term relationship, right? And so her version did not make the cut. Well, her dad was managing her. uh, Wilbur Rhymes was Mm -hmm. managing her at the time, and he said and told someone very close to me at the time, we're going to push this out onto pop radio and it's going to be the biggest hit. And guess what? It was, it went to the adult contemporary charts and went to number one and it was, it was huge. So that, that crossover thing happens, you know, Maren Morse may have that may, you know, take a, maybe some ballads to the AC, you know, stations and say, here you go. And it, it could take off and be wildfire,
2: but, but it's, it's not what you do; it's how you do it. Well, the thing ab- about her is, and we mentioned it the other day, she is so radically left and promotes it constantly mm-hmm. that I, you know, if if you were somebody who was like, I just want to play country music about love songs, yeah, and I just want to sing, you, you know, and I just and, and you know, and and uh, how uh, how uh, you know, rural life can be tough and all that, you know, the things that we traditionally sing about in every in any genre, really, mm-hmm. you. It's mm-hmm. it's really love and life,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and, but I really don't wish to get into politics. And I'm you know I'm just upset because everything's politics here. So I'm I'm going to set myself aside and you know go independent and still do what I want to do. But I uh, you know I'm not going to be on stage with everybody who wants to be political. That I could understand, but she's absolutely political across the board, as radical as you can get, and is furious that other people are political. Or she perceives them as political, but not agreeing with her. <laughs> yeah. Right. In the same genre of music. Right. I, and, and and I think as you said, and she's jealous because they're doing better. I think we should all, when
1: she, you know, performs her first whatever genre concert, we should all go wearing MAGA hats. <laughs> oh man, make that happen. Make it happen just make it happen just one time just the first show just the first one that would be hilarious but i've always i've often wondered it you know because um rem you know wrote us they heard they heard the song on this hateful program and asked us to take it down we didn't have to but we did that's fine if Michael Stipe doesn't want his music
2: on our program, that's fine. Remember, we didn't even know it was.
1: We an didn't know R. it was R. in song. rotation. We, we
2: didn't even know it was I, there. Yeah, and and since we play, we, we at that point we're paying the licensing rights for it. Mm-hmm. We could play it, but when he wrote, we just we now remember what it was about. It was a couple of weeks after I told the story, mm-hmm. the REM story. Yeah, about when my buddy had to back. This is going back to the mid '90s and. I get the call one day at the radio station, and well, I'll tell it coming up here because we're mm. it's it's going to take too long. Eight mm. six six ninety Red
0: Eye. Lines open for your calls. Eight six six ninety Red Eye on Red Eye Radio.
2: On Friday Radio, he's Eric Cronin. I'm Gary McNamara. Very quickly, uh, the the country singer-songwriter, uh, Ward Davis, who's actually probably better known as being a, a songwriter. He's written songs yeah. for everyone. Yeah, I just sure. looked at the list. Mm-hmm. He just said, I don't mean to be ugly here, but uh, how can you get out of country music when you were really never a country music artist? Yeah, right. <laughs> to well, Carson. you know, that's saying, especially the last few albums, because she's, she's been pop. Right. For the longest time. It really yeah. is in country. Right, yeah. <laughs> it's like saying Eric and I are going to give up liberal talk radio.
1: That's right. We are and and on a personal note, I'm boycotting Taylor Swift concerts. <laughs> I refuse to attend. <laughs> it's like, you know, you And know, I'm what's...
2: joining you on that. That's
1: right. I'm giving up broccoli. <laughs> I'm boycotting broccoli from here on out. (laughs) That's the sacrifice I'm willing to make. I'm just going to walk away from broccoli. I'm going to do it. Watch me. (laughs) What a sacrifice.
2: (laughs) (laughs)
0: is Red Eye Radio
2: all across America and around the planet eight six six ninety Red Eye. He is Eric Harley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Good morning, thank you so much uh, for uh, being here. And just so you know, because we had I had started on the story a little bit because you had uh, brought it up when we were talking about the uh, so-called country artist Marin Morris, <laughs> <laughs> the alleged country, the, the artist. Alleged country <laughs> artist who says I'm giving I'm 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 leaving country music whatever. And you brought up the uh the R.E.M. thing, the band R. E. M. And this goes back, uh we were in this studio. No. We, no weren't? We, were, we were in the other studio. Yeah,
1: we were in the other studio. Oh, okay.
2: Yeah. So it must have been like seven years ago, something like that. Yeah. And and I, and I've told the story before. And I had I told I I told the story in a couple weeks later is when we got the cease and desist from the R.E.M. lawyers, whatever, to stop playing and we didn't even know because it was an obscure song and you didn't hear the voice you didn't hear Michael Stipe's voice we didn't even know we're like what are they talking about we got to cease and desist and so you know we didn't have to stop playing it because at that time you know we had a license but we said somebody doesn't want us to play it we won't do it but it all went back to the story that I've told on the air you know every year probably I tell it we get into it like this somehow and but it's just an interesting story. And it's when I worked in Buffalo. And uh, it was, um, uh, I think, uh, R.E.M. and... uh, Oh, I can't think of the other name of the band that uh, was uh, opening uh, up. Oh, just got mind blank here. But uh, R.E.M. was uh, playing the auditorium there, the old auditorium. And for the light show, they needed extra generators. And so my buddy Jeff, who, you know, sold... And rented, did whatever, electric generators. He worked for Caterpillar at the time. He got the call. We need some generators for everything, for the power that we need for the band. Mm -hmm. And so he, you know, got there, got it all set up, everything else. They were so happy. They gave him two tickets to the show. So I really didn't know about this until the next morning. And I'm in the radio station about an hour before my show begins and he calls me and says i need to stop by the radio station you need, you need to hear this story from last night i want to give you some of the materials so he comes in and starts telling me the the story and said so we went in you know to the sh- to the show and everything else and they had these like pamphlets and it was a pamphlet telling you that lobbying you know basically lobbying is wrong you yeah. know they should be, but in this piece of paper that lobbying is wrong and they Goes, they're lobbying against lobbying with lobby, group, but but they're putting in the lobby groups that they like from the left. And I told that story, you know, I've told that for years, and uh, and then they also were talking about the fact that you need to use less energy. The whole climate change. This goes back to the mid nineties. Yeah, you know, so it was still the whole climate change, use less energy, everything else. And he's sitting, there, he goes, I'm dying, laughing because <laughs> I'm the one that supplied them. With two huge diesel generators, because their light show and everything was so big that the electrical system in the old arena couldn't provide them everything that they needed. Yeah, and they're lecturing you. Right. And so it was a couple of weeks after we told that uh, I told the story here on the air that we got the cease and desist from REM. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, got to be, got to be Michael Stipe listening. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, right. We could be wrong, but we don't think we are. He was up late crying <laughs> he was losing his religion, yeah, listening to us
1: and, and and by the way, not everybody hurts um and it's not the end of the world, <laughs> as we know it, no, yeah, yeah,
2: it's just it might and, be and, the end of your career yeah i mean we <laughs> and, and, and we're and we're feeling we're feeling fine, yeah, we're feeling fine, but. Yeah, look,
1: I remember searching well, because remember where I was searching... going with this last hour oh. was that if, you know, I like REM, I like their music, you know, it, but I don't it's it's a weird exchange. It's a weird. I don't know. I don't know what if there's any protocol, but I made the joke that if OK, Maren Morris is going through this, I don't know, transformation, <laughs> let's just call it transformation <laughs> it seems to be a popular word. Well, and she's
2: now going to be trans country. Yes. No, right. no, I'm sorry. Trans, trans pop. pop. Right. It's going to be trans pop. Right. By the way, uh, that's what it's about. It's about the radical transgender movement. Right. That's what it's about for. Well, well, for sure, her. sure. That,
1: that's- and and her pronouns are be will be who and she. Who, she. <laughs> so uh, I, you know, cause I always thought to myself, you know, there are plenty of, I mean, in fact, most of entertainment is, is a bunch of liberals. So if you ever, and you and I often, you know, we do every once in a while, you, you, uh, you cross paths with somebody who's famous. Um, and, and I don't know if the conversation ever comes up, you know, where, cause I, I joked about. All right, when Maren Morse starts her new career uh, and, you know, she has her first concert, we should all go. And then at the very end, we put on our MAGA hats. (laughs) And but if you were to say something to them, like if you were to uh, like, let's say you did a meet and greet. Now, I know a lot of conservatives will say, I don't want anything to do with it. That's fine. If you don't want anything to do with liberals. Um, you know, a lot of people will just say I, Hollywood and music in general doesn't have anything for me, you know, um, which is fine. That's, that's, you know, that's, that's, uh, your choice, but there are plenty of conservatives and I consider myself one of them that, you know, I, I still watch, uh, you know, movies with tons of liberals in it. That's in fact, hard to watch a movie with no liberals in it. And music is the same way. And so if you, if you ever met them, if you ever were talking, then all of a sudden it came up that you were a conservative. What what would be the reaction? What would be the response? Because the way that Marin Morris has really made this whole thing a thing, because it wasn't a thing, I don't know that anybody would have noticed had she no. just done an album and said, you know, okay, we're going to get with our label, the ANR people, Artists and Repertoire. People are going to take this now to uh, uh, adult contemporary radio and we're just going to, that's the album and we're going to, that's the way we're going to go. And you don't really make a thing about it. Well, she needed to make it a thing. She needed to make it about her. And that, you know, is, is, you know, part of it. But I, it clearly, she has disdain for people who disagree with her and. What about the people who pay to go to her shows? What about those people that did show up and say, man, she's a great artist, and I know she's liberal. I'm not liberal, but I know she's liberal. And, you know, there's got to be at least a few of them. I mean, what is the protocol? What's the reaction? What's the response? I'm just curious. You know, if you're standing mm-hmm. in front of a, you know, and, and these people are, they're, many of them are hardcore activists. You know the ones. Michael Stipe would be right there. What's the what's the response? Because now you can say, "Well, I voted for Trump. I voted for Trump in 2016 and in 2020." Ooh. That's why I said maga hats. You know, for her first concert as a whatever well, genre. You know, you know what's
2: interesting about Maren Morris is a guy who played guitar for early in her career. Mm-hmm. Uh, was a guy who played uh, in, a, in a band that uh, was, uh, I, I told you one time, at, uh, at Bob's Party, independent yeah. Bob's Party, because the regular band didn't show up. These band members from this band, and quite popular, uh, they were going to be at the party. And Simmons said, well, would you play? Yeah, we'll bring some of our instruments. And they were fantastic. One of mm-hmm. the best bands I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And Taylor, uh, you know, now is down in Central Texas as a recording studio. But when Marin Morris was early in her career, he told me, he said, hey, I just want to point this out. Remember, I told you this, this Marin Morris, she'll win she'll win a Grammy someday. Mm -hmm. She's a great artist. Mm -hmm. And and when I met Taylor the first time, when I saw his old band, he's in another band now, but his old band. And I went up and I said, you know, just want to introduce myself to him I go they're just so good He was a great guitarist mm-hmm. I went after I said hey Gary McNamara and he goes tell me where I'm wrong mm-hmm. and he used to listen all the time was yeah. a big fan. didn't agree all the time but right. always yeah. said really enjoyed the yeah. really enjoyed the show and everything sure. else and when whenever we would have any debate you know I I, I I don't know I we never really got into serious politics but I viewed him as probably moderate conservative um and and he may be different now. I don't know. That's a few years ago. Maybe he's much more conservative. I, I don't know with where the left has gone. But a good guy, and and he he just said she's and he seemed to think that she was a very nice person.
0: Mm-hmm. You know that had a
2: great career ahead of her. Now this is very an in infancy of her career. Mm-hmm. So this goes back eight, nine, ten years ago. No, mm-hmm. it's ten years ago. It's ten mm-hmm. years ago, mm-hmm. nine, ten years ago. Mm-hmm. But uh, and so I just find it interesting that uh, she's re- rejecting the conservative movement and i found out about her well early on from a guy who was a fan of our show (laughs) you know i mean sometimes you'll see
1: like an actor well i'm going to retire from acting oh uh one of them is uh what's his name um uh from uh uh, taken and he said he was remember he announced one time That he was actually gonna—he was not going to do any more action movies. He said, "I'm not doing any more action movies. I don't, you know, too many guns, too much violence, and the whole thing." And then he just kept doing action movies. Well, the reason he kept doing them is because there was a demand for him. People were were still paying him a lot of money to do them. And those are the things that, you know, you look at it and, you know, if she were selling 10 million albums or, you know, selling out massive arenas like Taylor Swift, would you be doing the same thing? Would you care about your how uh, opinionated some of your fan base is? Cause it really does reek of jealousy. You know, it, it really does. And I, I just think, you know, she looks at, at people like Jason Aldine, connecting with his fans and, you know, is wondering why she's not connecting with hers.
2: Well, you know, it, it's like, uh, in 2016, remember the number of, of, uh, there, well, I won't say there, well, there were a few, uh, supposedly conservative talk show hosts that quit because of Trump. Yeah. Because it got too mean. And a couple of them ended up, I think one ended up on CNN. The other one ended up on MSNBC and whatever. And they ended up
1: Neeson, by the way, is who I was thinking
2: of. And they ended up not being conservative. Yeah. And, but it was like, you know, remember, and, and I know one was vocal on it. Mm -hmm. I think it was Charlie, Charlie Sykes, I think from Milwaukee. Mm. It's like, you know, because, uh, and uh, it's like, what's he talking about? You know, you right. get in the arena of ideas, you're going to get pushback at times. We right. got pushback, right? We got you, you and I've got pushback every. No, we don't as much anymore, but we got pushback when we went after George W. Bush. Mm-hmm. We went after. Oh, Bush, we man. got. We got pushback yeah. when we went after Tom Delay. We oh, got yeah. pushback when we went after Trump. We weren't wrong. Nope. Every time we did it, we weren't wrong because we based it on the issues Yeah, is what we did. And either you're a conservative or you're not a conservative on the issues. And if you wish to d- define conservatism in a different way, we would call you on it. But the fact is, you're, it's like to think you're going to get through being in t- the arena of ideas and never be attacked. Yeah. Well, of right. course, you're going to be yeah, attacked. Exactly. And did it? It I never phased me at all. No, that never fazed me. The only, like I said, the only thing that ever, I don't even know how to define phase. The only thing that's ever really fazed me in talk radio was the summer of 2020 and the and the liberal blue wave of intimidation mm. for Black Lives Matter. Mm-hmm. That was obviously a lie. And yeah. there was like I've never seen before. And it didn't stop us from what we were doing. And it wasn't, I, I wasn't scared, but it was, Whoa. Would you agree? I mean, like it's like, whoa. Yeah. Where's it? Wow. Mm-hmm. Look at this blue wave of intimidation where everybody was buying into the lie. Maybe it was more shock of what was happening that corporations and media corporations It was disbelief. Right. It was maybe it was disbelief that everybody was buying into what was an obvious lie. Yeah. And and maybe it was that the but it never made us say, Well, we're gonna quit because Oh no 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 no
1: no no! I'm digging in
2: because we're in the minority. I, yeah, no, and and people disagree with us, and we think some of the people who disagree with us are idiots. So I'm going to quit and take my take my ball and go home.
1: Yeah, you know, it, well, that's you know, it's 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 like the comment, you know, you can't quit something you were never really a part of, because yeah. again, it's like Liam Neeson. I'm going to be, I'm only doing four or five more movies and then I'm going to do other. Yeah. What are you going to do?
2: Well, I'm glad he stayed in.
1: Well, (laughs) I was always surprised they did any sequels to taken because apparently you don't have a particular set of skills. (laughs) Everybody in your life has been taken multiple times. (laughs) You really suck at it. You're not intimidating at all. (laughs) They keep Adam coming. Sandler would be better at getting his family back.
2: They, they keep coming after
0: you. <laughs> what, is,
1: what is Taking three? No. No. No.
2: It's not all coincidence. They weren't afraid of your skills. <laughs> it's, it's like I have a particular set of skills.
1: No, you don't. No, you don't. There's going to be three of these movies. We're going to keep taking your family and you're not going to do anything about it.
2: Eight six six ninety. 90 right?
6: eye <laughs> Hi, I'm Jen Loomis, a transport safety expert at J.J. Keller, and I'm here to share a tip on roadside inspections. Drivers must always be prepared for a roadside inspection. This means drivers should always have their personal, vehicle, and company credentials organized and ready, and having any shipment paperwork, such as bills of lading or hazardous material shipment emergency response information, organized and ready for the inspection official. Just an FYI, the top two violations written against drivers every year, as well as during Operation Road Check, are log general form and manner and log not current. Both are completely avoidable if the driver keeps the log accurate, compliant, and current at all times. Having the vehicle ready for inspection involves the driver conducting daily inspections and making sure any problems that are discovered are immediately corrected. Vehicle readiness also requires the company to make sure that the vehicle is current on all scheduled maintenance and that the maintenance schedule is adequate. This will make sure the driver is being given a sound vehicle to start with. This tip was brought to you by J.J. Keller & Associates. Visit us at JJKeller.com.
0: Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll free at 866-90-RED-EYE.
2: Right, He's Eric Carlin. and I'm Gary McNamara. Coming up on the bottom of the hour, new poll. Half of U.S. young adults say open marriages are acceptable. That- Would that half be males? <laughs> That's my thought immediately.
1: <laughs> Morons. All the guys are going,
3: yeah, huh
1: <laughs> Yeah, wait till you get a little older. You'll <laughs> realize you're wrong. Yeah. <laughs> You're often wrong.
2: It, it was like, uh, you know, the generation just before mine, which would have been the hippie generation, the whole free love thing, the whole free love concept. That was a joke. Yeah. No such thing. Well, here's the thing. They were all high. I
1: don't know. <laughs> it's, it's weird because I don't know the last time I heard the term open marriage.
2: Yeah, because it's stupid. It's
1: because today it's like it's contradictory. Well, well, right. It's, you know, it's. Well, do you mean just dating? Mar- why does marriage have to come into yeah, it? Yeah, right. You know,
2: why would marriage come in?
1: Right. It? It, it? Exactly. It.
2: Yeah.
0: Get a word in edgewise. Eric Harley and Gary McNamara on Red Eye Radio.
2: And he's Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara. All right, latest polling out there, Pew Research, okay? All right. Here we go. Okay. Uh, Young adults as well as Democrats, LGBTQ plus individuals and those living with a partner, living together, are more accepting of open marriages, a marriage where both spouses agree they can date or have sex with other people. Hmm. Oh, wait a minute. What? If you're living together, well, then you don't believe in marriage. So I... uh, That I don't understand. (laughs) If you're living with somebody, you're not married to them. So you would marry them and then want an open... uh, Whatever. Well, yeah, I don't get
1: if you... O- open means not married
2: open marriage <laughs> right I, I, do, do they understand the terminology well it's it's like we
1: believe in a divorced marriage <laughs> what yeah we start by splitting everything we move in together and then just cut everything in half And then the rest is just, uh, you know, basically criticizing each other for the rest of our (laughs) It's it's the stupidest thing. If you want to date openly, it's
2: not against the law. Uh, Young adults are are the age group most likely to hold this view. Well, yeah, because a lot of young adults. Not all, Mm. but a lot are idiots, and older adults express less support as they increase in age. Why? Experience and knowledge. Yeah. Uh, fewer than half of those aged 30 to 45 say these mar- that these marriages are acceptable, as do 26% of those 50 to 64 and 15% of those 65 and older, and 70% of adults 65 and older say marriages uh, that these marriages are unacceptable, according mm-hmm. to the survey report. Mm-hmm. We'll get into the dumbness of the entire thing. What is the demographic that is most approval uh, acceptable of open marriage? What? Lesbian, gay, or bisexual, and it's not even close. There isn't a number that comes close to that in the Pew Research. of lesbian, gay, or bisexual people believe that an open marriage is okay. Only 13% do not. Wow. All that for gay marriage, and they actually don't believe in marriage. Right. It's not love is love. It's sex is sex, apparently, apparently, according to the polling. Yeah, apparently. If the polling is right. Wow. Yep. Uh, when it comes to straight, 54% unacceptable, 29% acceptable. Mm. Um, let me see. Never been married. Mm. But the thing is, so what did they define marriage? You had got to define marriage before you do this stupid poll, don't you? A poll, a marriage is where you promise you will be. If you get married, the whole thing of getting married is taking the vows. Yeah, are are we into? Are are you saying there should be? Is there another marriage vow that you take? I, um, I promise to be loyal to you until another woman do I part, or do I stay with you and get your acceptance for it? I mean. You got to define these words before you ask the polling question, don't you? What is a marriage?
1: Well, because you know, there's already a word for roommate, yeah, and that word is roommate.
2: Demographically, not really much of a difference. Okay, I
1: wonder. By the way. I I mentioned something. I said, you know, it's been a while since you even heard the words open marriage. But there is something generational because the latest generation, look, they do date, but they don't, it's not this, you know, they really want their space. It's it's not the kind of (laughs) courting, talk about words that haven't been said in a long long time it's not the same mindset and I don't know how much COVID changed any of it if at all but it is generational we know one thing the birth rate has plummeted that far fewer people want children And so, you know, when you apply all this, you know, the whole thing is, as you point out here, the whole battle for gay marriage, was that only for the 13 percent? Because what is marriage?
2: Yeah. What is it? Forget about defining (laughs) it
1: uh, as a, you know, a, a union between a man and a woman. I mean, you know, the Supreme Court changed that. That's fine. Whatever. But. What is the
2: marriage in terms of a relationship? Well the, the number one promotion of it was love is love, which means mm-hmm. the love between two individuals who wish to be together forever and encompassing in that oh, oh. Enco- encompassing in that and, is, is the belief that you uh-huh. are loyal to each other. Exactly. And, and and there is nothing that gets in between that relationship because but, love is love. But 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 you qualified it as two. And what was going on
1: during the entire debate? Well, why people would ask, well, why shouldn't poly, polygamy, polygamy right. be right. legal? Because And then you would hear from those on the left, and they would say, well, that's ridiculous. It shouldn't go that far. And, well, I don't know. Ask the majority of the lesbian and gay community, the majority of, according to this poll, Pew Research says that it's okay to have an open marriage, which wouldn't really mean what? I mean, that is polygamy, while it may not mean getting married to multiple people. You're having that love is love relationship with multiple people.
2: Right. The the whole selling it as traditional marriage except between a gay couple apparently is not the case if you believe the poll. Because this would
1: be my next question for that majority that says that an open marriage is
2: okay. And as I say, it's not even close. No. There isn't any demographic that comes close to the approval of open marriages that uh as uh as the demographic of lesbian, gay, or bisexual. Because it's I through the roof.
1: I would go further and then ask, well, do you believe in polygamy should be allowed? Because the left would push back when people on the right would say, Well, what about polygamy? Well, now you're just being ridiculous. Well, you're saying love is love, and you're using an arbitrary number of two. If it's consenting adults, why just two? Well, now, here, according to this poll, open marriage, whatever you want to call it, that is the whole, you know, again, when you apply the love is love mentality, then when you say open marriage, is it just about sex, or are you saying relationships with multiple people? Well, that's as good as polygamy. While it's not technically polygamy, it's pretty much the same thing.
2: But when and you but when you say marriage to us, and yes, that's why I say right, exactly. the definition of a word, right? right. Be, but ma- and I, w- it, it shouldn't be marriage just because marriage in general is a it, marriage in our society. I won't even say in general, mm-hmm. marriage in our society is between. Two people yes. for life. Yes. Loyalty to to you know, for yes. life. If yes. you're not married, right. there are people I know that uh that specifically told me when they were younger, I'm never getting married. I don't believe in marriage. Yeah. Okay. All right. That's- well then you can't answer you, to ask you a question, do you believe in an open marriage? Well, you don't believe in marriage. Right. So you you can't really answer the question because right. you don't believe in marriage. An open marriage is but, not marriage. Exactly. So is is that is there a disconnect in the actual definition of the word between generations? Right. Somehow? Right. I I didn't get the memo on that. No. And I don't know any woman there may be some out there because I don't, I don't want to be that person who says, well, I've never been pulled before <laughs> as a reason. But when you think about it, I've never met a woman ever who you ever said, well, if we get married and I say I do, can can I have somebody on the side? I don't know any woman that's ever said yes. Right. Well, because they may be
1: out
3: there, but I, I
1: could see, uh, you know, the ladies answering this question and going. Oh, if you mean by, by that uh, being single, which again is not marriage, those are the you know, those are the things. And I know the, the people that believe in open marriage. I, I look forward to your email. But it's not marriage. You can no. do whatever you want to, as long as it's consenting between adults. It's allowed. It is by law. It's allowed. We're talking about the definition of a word. We're talking about an institution. We're talking about something that society has already made a judgment on. Now, not everybody abides by that.
4: No, they, you know, divorce no.
1: divorce does happen, and sometimes it happens for uh, good reasons, solid reasons. And, and but she- the intent behind it, the design of marriage. This is the uh, business model. <laughs> this is the standard that is created. Not everybody abides by the same standard.
2: No, and in heterosexual marriage, people cheat
1: mm-hmm. all, all,
2: all the time. Yep. I mean, uh, always justified in the man's case for cheating because he's dealing with the well, woman. Well, David Duchovny, I'm addicted to sex. You by mean, the way, that was sarcasm, folks. Yeah.
1: You mean, yeah, exactly. you mean Mr. Duchovny, you're a guy? I'm addicted to sex. And then all of a sudden, well, you know, his sex addiction. All right, whatever. Give me a break. Oh, I'm just, I'm addicted to sex. Yeah. Okay, fine. You don't have to convince me. And those are the things that, you know... You look at in a society, and when you, because you also look down, uh, you, you look down the road and you wonder, well, if there isn't that standard, that loyalty, uh, that drive to honor, and, and marriage is work, Who trust
2: me. Oh, she better not be listening.
1: She probably is.
2: Oh, my God.
1: She's had insomnia lately. I had
2: nothing to do with that comment. Oh, trust me. For her,
1: her, it's a lot more
2: work. Oh, for her. Okay. All All right.
1: No, but you have to put, you know, these are the things. You have to make that effort. You have to make that effort. It doesn't always work. And it doesn't mean that either party is necessarily a bad person when it comes to a divorce. It does happen. Our society allows that legally. And, you know, it's never a good thing when it does happen. But sometimes it's the best of all options. But when it comes to marriage, if you're talking about marriage and that is the goal, then the goal is. Honoring. Cherishing. Then building something together in in a very real partnership.
2: When you look at it, because it's like people saying, "Okay, you know, it part of the demographic would be saying to themselves, well, yeah, I want to be in an open marriage where we can both cheat or I can cheat or whatever. Mm -hmm. Uh, Does this mean that when you, when you look at it, that, uh, that 40% of the people would actually be okay being in a swinging relationship? Yeah. Or 35% if I look at, if I take all the averages here, mm -hmm. that it would be, 35 percent
1: yeah just over a third of the people so we love
2: each other but you don't say that's not enough for me but that's not enough that's not enough sex for me right but it's not but it's a different thing because one's making love the other is sex Yeah. yeah which isn't the same
1: and you know uh my thought is, is that well, if
2: that's going to be the case, well, and and I, I look, okay, thirty three percent say it's acceptable, so that's okay. the number for yeah. all adults. So I had to find that number. All right. So thirty three percent believe that swinging is okay. Does, yeah. Is that happening in the United States? Wow, eight yeah. six six ninety Red Eye.
0: We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara.
2: Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carly. I'm Gary McNamara. No open marriage here. We're both committed to Red Eye. Yes, yes. Very true. Okay.
0: This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One.
6: Movies, TV shows, books, podcasts, and more. It's what women binge with Melissa Joan Hart and her friend Amanda Lee. We
2: have Lauren Bosworth with us. Yeah. Yay! the hills so what is like your number one question from fans the
6: primary question i still get asked was, what is it real (laughs) in 2024 to me is a surprising question to get because i feel like everybody has been through the reality tv gauntlet at this point what women binge wherever you listen